Welcome to Little Beaver Historical Society's podcast. Little Beaver Historical Society's mission is to maintain, preserve, and restore the historical... Oh, uh, dude, you, you gotta read that like you're not reading it. It's hard to do, man. I don't know it. Okay, so what do, you, what do the actors do, right? You just, uh, what's All the right. technique you use? I, I don't know. All right. Welcome to the Little Beaver Historical Society's podcast. Little Beaver Historical Society's mission is to maintain and preserve... Oh, I still hear it. I still hear the read. Don't you hear it, Brian? A little bit, yeah. Uh, did I do it okay in the other ones? No, it sounds just like... <laughs> well, then what are we worried about? <laughs> just use it from one of the other ones. We want to get better. We want to grow. Well, I'm gonna, I'm, then I'm going to have to memorize this. <laughs> you want me to do it again? Yeah. All right. Welcome to the Little Beaver Historical Society's podcast. Blah, 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 blah. Try, try it again. He's worse than any director I've ever had in any show. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, it's it's... Audio is totally different. I know. I know. Totally I know. different. I know. It has to be, it has to sound like I know what I'm talking about and I don't. Because <laughs> your ear stumbles over things. Right. Unlike, you know, it's visual. Welcome to the Little Beaver Historical Society's podcast. Little Beaver Historical's mission is to maintain, preserve, and restore the historical facts of Beaver County in the local area and to seek out historical sites of interest and mark the same for the public and historical record. That's good. What do you think, Brian? Good? Yeah. So here we are. All right. Joining me today <laughs> is... is oh, what's your actual title, Kevin? Let me make one up here. Um, <laughs> joining me today is the founder and executive producer... Uh, one of, more time. One more time. Joining me today <laughs> is the founder and executive producer of the Social Voice Project, Kevin Farkas. Thanks, Dave. Glad to be here on the podcast. <laughs> Also joining us today is a fellow producer, Brian Cimini. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for having me. So today, what I'm going to talk about with these guys, and, and I've been working with them a lot with podcasts for the society and some other um, interesting things that are going to come in the future, is we're going to try to give you an idea what our mission is and actually what a podcast is. You hear the term podcast and you say, uh, what's that? So, all right, Kevin, what is a podcast? So the, probably the best way to think of it is radio on the internet. Okay. Well, that's not exactly what it is, but yeah, it's like a radio show on the and internet. And you've been telling me all this time not to sound with my radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been lying. It's radio on the internet. <laughs> now, you know, actually, it's, so technically speaking, podcast is a audio show that is hosted on a technical platform that is subscribable, such as iTunes or uh, Google Play or SoundCloud. It's some sort of um, uh, location on the internet where you can subscribe to that particular podcast. So when a new episode is produced, you will get a notification. So on your iPhone, your smartphone and so forth. That's the technical definition of a podcast. What I find interesting about doing them is it gives the ability for me, at least, to talk about some things in the museum that we may not have a display with or it's something coming up. And I think what it does, and we've already had some response to, to the podcast we've done before with the play, and, and, and I'm sure we'll have some with the future. It gives us the ability to, maybe people that aren't in the Valley anymore, that they, they can listen to the history that they may not know. So Kevin, the Social Voice Project, and I'll ask you too, Brian, I know, I know what I see as our mission, but what do you guys see as our mission actually? The Social Voice Project, and let me just tell you a little bit about the background of it. I started this about seven years ago as uh, a way to capture audio voices from the community. And I had a, an idea to capture the stories and voices of first responders, 
people doing genealogical work. You know, you want to share your family stories, share your family history and veterans. And uh, I fell into veterans oral history work rather quickly in association with the Veterans Breakfast Club. But I had also continued to do uh, voices from the community in various ways. I did a lot of creative audio work around these voices. The Social Voice Project resurrected over the past year really around public history. One of the initiatives of the Social Voice Project is the Local History Podcast Initiative. And our first podcast that we did with a local historical society was the allegheny Kiski Valley Historical Society in Tarentum. We started a podcast there uh, about two years ago, and we continue to do that every every other month or so. We have a podcast. We record topics around their, their museum, uh, some of their curated exhibits that they have, local community people there, and uh, events that they have. We just recorded recently a talk on the canal system in the 1800s. The Local Podcast History Initiative is really designed, as you'll explain, Dave, to help uh, local historical societies and museums get their information out to the public, to share this wonderful wealth of great historical stuff that's behind these doors and these cabinets in these basements, to bring it out to the, so the public can can hear about local history. And because it's podcasting on the internet, it's all over the world. What Kevin is describing is, is what my my role is. I, I understand the history and, and I'm just learning the podcasting side of it. But it, it, it meant a lot to me because there are societies in the, in the valley that don't have an actual museum. They don't have any artifacts. Uh, and I'll mention New Brighton. New Brighton has a wonderful historical society. If we can record the stories and the history of that town, it brings the history alive. And without, I mean, that history is gone. Without, without somebody recounting it, these people, most, and, and, and this is another reason why I'm involved. Most of the historical organizations in this county and just about every county and state in the United States is having the same problem. We're aging out. Um, younger people have, they have more to do. They have their children to work with. So if we can excite them, and, and Kevin, Kevin has mentioned this to me, you know, if we can excite them, and that's what it takes. We have to get these young people excited in history because they're not learning. And I mean, even, even myself at the age of 57, I didn't learn the local history. I'm learning it. I learn more every day. Brian and Kevin both came into this building not knowing a lot of things. We're, and, and we're sitting in Greersburg Academy at the moment recording this. And just the things they've learned by walking in this building, it should have been taught to us when we were children. It's not. Yeah. And you know, media today with the younger generation is really a perfect platform to reach the younger generation. Podcasting in particular, you know, the uh, younger generation with mobile devices, they can easily access these podcasts, whether they're audio and you have video on there. We can reach this younger generation with media. And I want to turn to you, Brian, because you're, you're a younger person. You're in your 20s. Mm -hmm. How important is media to your generation? And you're a media creator. You're a media producer, trained. You went to school for this. Give us your perspective on the importance of media for the younger generation. My perspective on media for the younger generation is that it is one of the most important things in their sensory palette. There has to be something moving or something making sound or something that isn't just a still tangible object in their hands. You young people don't read anymore, right? Yeah, that's basically what I'm saying. <laughs> I, can, I can vouch for that. Um, we're, we're trying to change displays up at the museum to put mm -hmm. videos and audio because mm -hmm. 
people do not want to look at an uh, look at a display and have to read it. Right. They want to look right at it. They want to see the bright colors. They want to see stuff move. They want to see production value, which, you know, you see that everywhere, whether it's, you know, they're on YouTube or they're on their phones. There's Facebook. You know, advertisement is basically being forced down everyone's throats at this point to the point of it being a part of your everyday routine. You look at your TV or you look at your phone. There's an ad playing. There's some... There's some animation or some something that was shot with a camera. There, there's some visual representation of whatever. And, and this is this is my take on it. Even my friends, I mean, my friends in their 50s and 60s, they'll take a video of their of their kid or their grandchild, and before you know, it, it's on Facebook yeah, and it's yeah. moving. It's, so, it's, social media is, is one of the most powerful tools out there, right? And creating that platform for conversation through these podcasts, as Kevin said before, once it hits the internet, it's everywhere. Kevin can can vouch for this, he, and he's told me how many how many countries our podcasts have have reached, and and you know it, it it's to me and, and how many countries is it, Kevin? You mentioned it's it's well over a dozen countries. It's, I mean, those are people that we would never. They're probably never going to come to this museum. Yeah, who do we know in Thailand? Right. I, I, don't I mean, right. I don't know anybody in but Thailand. They listen. Right. And I'll tell you a story. Our first one, of, our second podcast that we did with Frank Wicks, the author of Soldier Come Home. Well, Frank lives in Mexico part of the time. So his friends in Mexico will probably never come to this museum, but yet they listened to that podcast because it was Frank and they learned about the museum and about, you know, about different things. So audience potential is unlimited. I mean, it's just, it's just the idea of getting it out there. I mean, how many people can come to this building? <laughs> I mean, you're, it's a set limit. I mean, you're only going to get so many to come to the building. But if I can put the history out there of this building, of anything... To me, this is the way of the future, and I agree with Kevin. I mean, we, we need to get these other organizations to start to understand um, it's going to happen. I mean, if we don't change with the technology, like, like Brian said, the kids are interested. They, all they want to look at is their phone or in their car. I mean, that's another thing, and, and, and Kevin mentioned this. The newer cars, the media is downloadable right to your radio in your car. Uh-huh. Oh, sure. Yeah. I mean, they're internet connected already, you know, so digital media has a pervasive place in our lives now. And, you know, you, you mentioned, Dave, that just, uh, you know, museums have to reach out to the younger generation. What's going to happen if we don't? And we see what's happening, right? Right. We, we do. Um, the, the sad thing about history is we've had numerous people come to the museum that are local and they say, oh, I didn't know that happened. Well, they didn't know they, it happened because they didn't learn it. Well, if you're not going to read about it, if we can put it out there where they can sit, where they can take a walk or take the run and in their headphones, they can hear it, then they may want to come see it. And these buildings have, have stood here, this building has stood here for over 200 years. If we do not get people to respect it the way I do, it won't be here much longer. I mean, I hate to say that, but, right. but it's going to fail. And the logical extension of interest and participation and visitation to these small mom and pop places all over the country, these little historical societies, is that donations suffer, support suffers. And without, you know, an active engagement with the community, these organizations will shutter their doors. That's right. And, and it is happening. I, I will tell you, many organizations, and, and Kevin mentioned Ali Kiske, they used to have a paid staff. They no longer have a paid staff. They, they rely on volunteers because donations have gone down. I mean, we have three museums and five buildings that we control. And most of our members are in their 70s. Without new members, we cannot keep these buildings open. 
And with the podcast and with the help of Brian and Kevin, hopefully we will interest more people. I never, I'm going to tell a story about this place. Now, I was born and raised in Big Beaver, 10 miles from this place. I was a Big Beaver fireman. I fought fires with Darlington. Until I became a member five years ago, I never stepped foot in this building and I drove by it constantly. That has to change. We have to get more people interested. We have to. And, and, and the old saying, if you don't know history, you're prone to repeat it. And that's the truth. Yeah, you know, they say in education, and I was an educator for many years, that you have to start where the student is. So when it comes to media, you have to go to where the people are accessing their media on their mobile devices, on their computers, on the internet, and so forth. When it comes to media and how we are trying to get podcasting out there to the world to represent the local historical societies and local history, 67 million Americans are now listening to podcasts, and this is going up and up and up. Matter of fact, last year, it increased 14%, the number of of people listening to podcasts. 24% of that number, right, as low as 12 years of age, right? So there are a lot more and more younger people are listening to podcasts just in general, So if we want to reach these young folks, podcasting is that platform to educate, inspire, and entertain, right? If you want to go that that route. Well, and and I'll tell you a story. I have a friend of mine that that homeschooled her kids for years, and she used the internet and podcasts of educators that that do podcasts to to teach. I mean, to teach subjects she didn't know about. Like there are podcasts for algebra. There are, I mean, these are educators that understand the media. They understand that they have to put it out there if they want to continue education. And I think, I think this is the best way for us to go, and I know we're going to continue. You know, media production, Brian, you can attest to this. You're a trained media professional. It is very expensive. It is incredibly expensive. I'm also an educator, and I've been instructing video production at Pittsburgh Technical College. Whenever I bring any of my personal gear in for the students to look at, they compare what they see in the studio to what they've seen online and my stuff, and they are afraid to come within arm's reach. Yeah. Because if I drop a price tag on them, I see their jaws hit the floor. There's a lot of gear. You can't see it, but we are surrounded by wires. There are stands everywhere and more blinky lights than on the weapons bay of the Death Star. Sure. I mean, we're talking, three of us are talking in each, talking into $400 microphones. Right. We have $100 headsets on. In my trunk, I have two microphones. They're $1,000 each. Brian, your $8,000 camera mm-hmm. is right off to the side. I've got a $3,000 still camera sitting next to me. There's more gear here. This, you know, this has to be purchased, you know, yada, yada. So when it comes to podcasting, right, of all the kinds of media production, podcasting is probably the uh, most cost-effective way to produce media. And we recognize this. So going out and asking a local historical society to help us produce a podcast, we recognize that there's not money there to pay the retail rate of media production. You know, uh, if you go on the internet and you see, uh, you know, what's it cost to produce a podcast? Well, you'll find organizations out there that will edit a podcast for you for 50 bucks. And right? that's exactly what you get is a $50 edit. You'll get a $50 sound of podcast, you know. Often there are subscriptions for $200 a month. We'll do four uh, podcasts. You send us the files and we'll edit them up and send them back to you. Or the magic of the internet. Ultimately, that still falls upon the person who wants it to be created to get a solid recording done for edit. Well, that's the other part of it, right? We are here with our, you know, our fancy schmancy gear. We are recording the podcast and we are totally capable of going anywhere on site to record a podcast. So we are the full package here. We, we, we provide start to finish. We provide a start to finish uh, turnkey podcast service. We even recorded in a, in a coal mine, didn't we? Yes. You and I did. Yeah, that he was, was telling me about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, imagine how hot it is in here and then put that on the surface of the sun. That's about how, right. how 
how warm that coal mine was. So what do we ask from a local historical studies? Our particular model is a cooperative model. We say, okay, you know what? We'll produce podcasts. We'll bring the technical side to it. We ask historical societies to bring the content, to bring their audience to the podcast, to engage their audience, and to reach out into their world of funders and supporters, the people who would pay for an ad in a, in a local brochure or a sponsor a local event or so, so forth, to bring those people to sponsor these podcasts. If we get somebody to underwrite a podcast uh, series for $1,000, we'll share that. If we get $5,000, we'll share that. If we get $50, we'll share that. You know, it's uh, we're always looking for the win-win in these relationships here. Because as I said, you know, no one's going to write us a $1,000 check to produce, you know, a couple podcasts. Because the money's not there for so many of these, you know, local organizations. So this is a way that we think is affordable. It forms a, a lasting partnership. We believe in local history. We believe in podcasting. We believe that, you know, we're all in this that's together. Right. So that's why our business model here really is along those same lines. I'll tell you a funny story. Kevin came to us at Little Beaver over a year ago, last summer. Yeah. yeah. And we, eh, he, he gave us the whole spiel, the same, you know, exactly what he just said. So everybody, all the other members, again, who are in their 70s, they kind of like, eh, that's nice. <laughs> and, and he never heard from us again. So I was producing the play Soldier Come Home in, in May. We were rehearsing in, in, I think you contacted me in early May or, or end of April. On Facebook, he happened to see we're producing the play. So he knew we had rehearsal the next day and he said, I'll be there. <laughs> and that's exactly what you told me. He said, I'll be there to record a podcast. And I'm like, okay. So <laughs> Kevin came in. He recorded the, the actors, actually, some of the lines and some of the scenes from the show. And then he recorded the, uh, the we interviewed the director and gave us some ideas of, of what was going to be about the play. And then each actor came in out and talked about their character. So he put it together real quick. It's probably the quickest editing job he's, he's done in, in a long time. And I think it was two days or something. You had it up. Mm, fast, yeah. Oh, it was fast. And my ticket sales went through the roof. I mean, I, I gained like 50 tickets and I'm like, man, this works. <laughs> so he sold me on this. That's good to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. So, <laughs> so he sold me. So we agreed this. And then later on, and, and I, I mentioned I was interested in this. And, and he offered me the, the job of you know, being director of the, of the local history podcast initiative. It's, it's a fancy term. And what, what, what I am is I'm that history guy that sort of understands the equipment. I mean, I, I have an idea about it. But I'm the history guy that understands the other history organizations. And we have some traction with some, with some organizations. And it will lead to, to these other groups coming on board because it works. There are some other groups doing podcasts for, for history organizations in the country. But I look at us as being on the cutting edge. We are probably the premier. I know we're the premier people in the area. Kevin, Kevin has done so many with the veterans and stuff that he, that he has the experience to lead us to the point where... I, I think podcasts will just be second nature for groups. I think they'll, you know, they'll come out and say, okay, let's do another one. Yeah, no one is doing what we're doing in, in the region. And no. that's Eastern, that's Ohio, that's West Virginia, Pennsylvania. Nobody, not the Heinz History Center, which is associated with the Smithsonian. Nobody is doing this work. And we are, so we are on the cutting edge of reaching out to such small organizations and saying, let's figure out how we can make this work. As I mentioned earlier, you know, if $25, $50, $100 that we can raise to get well, as, this. As Kevin said earlier, there is no way an organization could gather the equipment 
and do them as professionally as we can do them. And I will say, I will say something. Kevin's, I've, I've listened to lots of them that he's done. The man can edit. <laughs> I mean, there's mistakes that happen. I mean, we're, we're all human things. You know, what, in my uh, podcast, <laughs> there are mistakes? No, no, I'm talking about podcasts being recorded. No. You fix them. They're mostly all mistakes, I tell you. Yeah, you should hear, hear behind the scenes on this one. Absolutely. <laughs> no, you don't want to hear the behind the scenes on this one. <laughs> I'll throw some stuff in. Yeah, uh, yeah right. Yeah. I can just hear it now. Bleep, 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 bleep. <laughs> I'll tell you why quality really matters so much. My background is in oral history. And so in particular in that field, uh, the focus has been on the information, not the medium itself, right. not the delivery of it, not the quality of the, of the productions. And that's sort of understandable, right? Scholars, they want to get information. They put a, back in the day, they put a tape recorder down the middle of the table and it would sound just like that. Right, it would sound like you're ten feet away from a microphone. Uh, it's getting so much better now because technology is really so affordable, from your iPhone and uh, small digital recorders and so forth. But here's why I think this stuff matters, quality-wise. My mother died four or five years ago. In the last year of her life, we knew she was dying, so I said, "Mom, let's let me record you." So I pulled out my large condenser microphone. It's a nice, quiet room. We, I mean, I really went all out to record my mom very well. And I'm telling you, when I close my eyes now and I listen to those recorders, and you know your mother's voice probably better than any other voice in right. your life, it's like my mom is standing right next to me. It is so fidelic, so precious. It would be a shame to have a poor recording of somebody. Kevin told me this story that, you know, about his mom and recording it the other day, and, and I told him, I would die to have a recording mom. You know, I mean, any, any recording, but to have a recording where you can close your eyes and your mom's in the room, that's, that means a lot. Sure. And, and the thing about history is we are losing the historians. These people that have written the books, and especially in, in, our, in our little organization, we've lost three people in the last year. If we had those people's information recorded, it's not lost. Sure, the voices of the community, right? right? To record those well and to have those preserved. Could you imagine what a service that is for their grandchildren, oh, their yeah. relatives to have, you know, the, the, these people, and for us in our communities, right? To, to have these so well recorded. And I'll tell you, we put a, right, Brian, we put a lot of effort into making <laughs> sure. I mean, you should have seen the sausage making here earlier when we had cameras set up here and we're doing a podcast about this model that we have here around Legionville. We had two cameras, three cameras in the room here, and uh, we had a jib crane in here and uh, Brian and sliders. And I mean, it was it was just crazy. But at the end of the end of the day, that's going to look beautiful. These the conversation that we had with the models creator is going to sound wonderful because of the technology and, we have. And it'll be here forever. That's it'll what be I. Here forever. It'll be forever. The the model may disappear. Andy's going to disappear. I'm. We're all all of us sitting in this room are going to be gone. But what we created today in this room, if this society is here 100 years from now, they'll be able to look back and say, wow, we have this. Yeah. Um, paper disappears. We have all this paperwork, and all this stuff that if it's digitally saved, I mean, even, even paperwork can be digitally saved, but just the histories that can be saved, it's a win-win for everybody. This enormous like paradigm shift that's happened between like analog tangible anything and the digital age is widening further and further as time goes on. Right. Yeah. I asked my students in class the other day who has ever been into a library to look for something and not a single person put their hand up. Wow. 
I took a little, I uh, bought one of those little Instax film cameras, like the little Polaroids from right. Walmart, because, mm -hmm. you know, I needed another camera. But I took that out and I snapped a picture in class. And when I showed them the little print that came out, it blew their minds all over the room. They were like, whoa, how'd you do that? And I'm like, this is how it used to be back when I was growing up. Digital cameras were invented when I was, you know, just becoming a teenager. It's like, okay. It's funny you mention that, Brian, because you'll talk to you'll talk to people even in the museum, and, and we have a display of of uh, audio devices over over at the uh, the other building. And I went from from Edison's wax cylinder player up to a digital music player. And there are children today, in 10, 11 years old, that don't even know what a CD is. Okay, mm -hmm. a CD is recent in my mind. It's recent, right? Yeah, yeah. And and they have never seen. A CD in their life because all they've ever known is digital. Mm -hmm. Just and, MP3s, right? Whatever. Yeah, I believe that the automakers have stopped putting CD right. players. Right. Uh, and and I'll rent a car. We we go visit visit my brother in law in New York, and we'll rent a car. You there are no CD players in cars anymore. You have to have it, it, you, well, you have Sirius Radio or one of the one of the the satellite radio. So a CD player, they have no idea. And then you mentioned records. <laughs> What's well, a record? You know, an interesting story about that. We had a teacher bring in um, a teacher from Ambridge bring in like, I think they were third or fourth graders. And, and I asked, had anybody seen a record before or, or played a record? And no, of course, none, none of the students had. And one of the teachers raised their hand. And it made me feel really old. <laughs> <laughs> when the teacher is raising their hand, they've never seen a record before or played a record. <laughs> you know you're old. Yeah, I'm 26, and whenever a couple of my students told me they'd, ne <laughs> like, they'd never been in a library, I'm like, oh, no. And I'll say this. Um, we're we're going to do some, some podcasting in the library in Beaver Falls. The library has become a different animal. More computers, and, and that's what the people are using access for, people that don't have computers. And the libraries are even changing. Knowledge center. They're, right. They're, that's, yeah. that's the trajectory that um, the library, Carnegie Library in Beaver Falls is going. They want to recreate themselves as a knowledge center, which includes media production for the community, uh, green screen cameras. Right. You know, you could come in there and you could check out books and so forth. Now you'll be able to go in there and create your own videos. Mm -hmm. Stuff like that is going to become more and more important as that the impact of the digital age keeps expanding. This cell phone I got right here, I basically have the entire sum of human knowledge sitting in my hand. Well, yeah, about all of us, all of us sitting yeah, here. I mean, exactly. You can ask it anything. Literally, I could be like, okay, Google, show me videos of cats, or okay, Google, show me the history right. of Beaver County. And that the, the, information the day, has to be captured to put on to be put on there. But but here's my thing about, about the podcast for history. Unless they're on there, you're going to get Google's version of what Gersberg Academy is which is one page. You're not going to get the history that I know and many other people know. If we put it as a podcast, you, you get those entertaining things that aren't in the history books. They're not going to put them on Google that, you know, that this happened here. And, and if history entertains, it also educates because then you get interested. If, if you go to a lecture, how many, how, many's been to, how many people have been to a lecture, a college professor, and you fall asleep? You fall asleep because basically all right all he's doing is presenting facts facts are boring i hate to say that lots of facts are boring they are i put in a few of my students to sleep during a lecture well, once or twice that's why we, we we create alternative entertaining facts right <laughs> don't put that in please. i'm hoping this explains what podcasts are and and I think that uh, we'll have some good shows coming up. What do you think, Kev? Yeah, I'm very excited about where we've been, where we're going with the Little Beaver Historical Society podcast. You know, the sky is the limit. 
that's one of my things, and I want to ask everybody that's listening to this. If you go to our Facebook page, if there's anything that you want us to talk about, if there's any local history you're interested, we have access to to experts on a lot of the information in the Valley. I mean, if there's, hopefully we're going to have like Wayne Cole talking about trains. And, and I mean, there's, there's a lot of interesting things to talk about in the Valley. Contact me, Dave Holowico, on Little Beaver Historical Society's Facebook page. And hey, we'll, we'll plan something. I mean, we're, we're game for anything. And there's so many topics that we could talk about. Sure. And you can also go to the socialvoiceproject.org and you can access all of the work that we've been doing from Veterans Oral Histories uh, that we do in uh, association with the Veterans Breakfast Club and the Veteran Voices of Pittsburgh Oral History Initiative. Um, with our act theater group, we do podcasts with, with them and uh, various other groups. You can go there. You can find out what we're about. Contact us also through there. We would love to have suggestions for topics and subjects and even people. And, you know, quite frankly, we, we can uh, patch people in from anywhere in the world. I've done many, many shows where, you know, we patch in people uh, through the telephone. Matter of fact, the last person I did was Sebastian Younger uh, out of New York City, who is an Academy Award nominee for Best Documentary. So we've got a lot of technology that we can employ in getting great guests and great topics here for the podcast. I want to thank my guests today on Little Beaver Historical Society's podcast. Uh, I want to thank Kevin and Brian for joining us and giving us an idea of what we're going to do in the future. Um, podcasting and electronic media are the way to go, and I think I have a great team helping me get this accomplished. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Brian. You are listening to a production of the Social Voice Podcast Network. 